you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, and I'm fully vaccinated. I got my second shot uh, on Monday, so uh, one step closer to normal. Thank goodness for that. Anyway, uh, big show as we always do. We have obviously gone through the NFL draft last week. We had a mock draft to kind of see where some guys are slotting and, and how guys are, are sort of shaking out uh, now that they have homes, but... We know that there are a lot of you guys out there who are playing Dynasty Leagues, who are playing Devi Leagues, and who really want to go a little bit deeper beyond just, you know, the guys that we saw in the first couple of rounds uh, come off the NFL draft board. So to do that, uh, I got a guy who is on top of it, who is one of the smartest guys when it comes to this, who puts in the work, who, look, his nickname is the Czar of the Playbook. That tells you everything you need to know. Uh, it is from Football Game Plan, Emory Hunt. And Emory, it's been a couple years since I've had you on. It is way too long. I appreciate you uh, taking some time. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't feel like years. It feels like we, we talk 
every <laughs> every year, every summer. It's just, it, it's, I'm shocked that you said that. <laughs> I know, no, it really does. I mean, I know, you know, obviously we, we, we chat via social media and Twitter and what have you, and I'm, I'm always kind of keeping up with what you're doing and everything. But yeah, I think it, it has been a couple of years since you've actually been here, and uh, we should we should make the gap shorter uh, if we can in the future. But um, I wanted to just start kind of by, by talking to you, because I know what you do, and I follow a lot of what you do. Um, but for po folks who don't know, explain a little bit about football game plan and, and how it came to be. Uh, you know, it's a one-stop shop for the football fan. We cover everything. If it involves a pigskin, we got you covered from NFL, college football, all levels of college football, Canadian football, uh, overseas that, that play American football, women's tackle football, high school. So it doesn't matter. We cover it. And you know how we got started, it was during the Vince Young draft, how everything kind of got rolling. Uh, me and a couple of friends of mine we were just upset at the commentary surrounding Vince Young as if he couldn't play, uh, as if we just didn't come off watching the greatest game <laughs> ever played, right? Uh, and so instead of us sitting on the phone five-way, arguing about what people were saying <laughs> on TV, it's like, let's start a website. And so it took us a full year. So in 2007, we started football game plan, and it was very popular off the bat. Uh, because we released an article. We had different sections to our website, and one was a comedic uh, side of it. And, you know, at the time, that was a whole Michael Vick dogfighting thing. Mm -hmm. And so our first article off the site was, well, since QB7 wants to fight dogs, here's some dog fights we want to see. You know, Clifford versus, you know, uh, Scooby. <laughs> and so we started breaking down the matchups. And, and so that kind of got people to the site, and then they saw the football analysis. So that's how we got started. And then in 2009... Uh, me realizing that, you know, people didn't like to read anymore and <laughs> having, a, having a broadcast background. I went to school for broadcasting with a minor in theater. It's like, you know, I can get camera equipment and I can say things faster than I can write these articles and crop out pictures. And YouTube had just started. Um, so we started doing, we transitioned to video or we quote unquote pivoted to video pretty quickly uh, in 09. And that kind of got us out there even faster because nobody was doing video. And that's how our YouTube channel kind of grew and blew. Um, same with in 2011 with podcasting. You know, we started, it was a blog talk radio show. It was a live show every Saturday. Uh, we was taking callers. And we were so fun and having fun with it and so proud of what we were doing. But it was funny because people used to say, I used to tell people we had a TV show. And uh, <laughs> and people were like, oh, where, what station? Like, oh, it's a, it's a YouTube channel. Oh, it's on YouTube. And tell people we had a radio show. Oh, what station? It was like, oh, it's on, you know, it's on Block Talk Radio. Oh, it's internet. But fast forward now, everything is podcasting and YouTube. <laughs> so we just kind of got out in, in front, and that kind of helped springboard us because we was like the first in the space, and it just kind of grew our name, grew our brand, and it kind of helped grow me professionally to where now I'm doing college football games, broadcasting, and uh, all kind of other things, uh, doing more TV as well. It all started from, you know, you know, a, a thought. It started from YouTube and and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to see. Which has been amazing. It's been great to watch. And also, look, for everybody out there who's trying to get in, and, and I'm sure you get questions, I get questions. Uh, I mean, this is sort of how you do it. You just you just start with something you love, you put the work in, and eventually over time, it uh, it hopefully grows. And by the way, you talk about that Vince Young game. I was I was in Pasadena. I was at the Rose Bowl. Um, I was on the, the other side of it, so my feelings were a little bit more hurt uh, when I walked out of the stadium that night. Um, 
but yeah, I was very aware that Vince Young could play football. <laughs> I had no, uh, I had no doubts about it. Um, you obviously you do a lot of scouting. I mean, you you are everywhere. Just people who follow your tweets alone know that you are everywhere scouting, whether it's Senior Bowl, Combine, what have you. Obviously, this year was a different year with the pandemic. How much did that change what you do, and how difficult was it this past year? It was a unique experience because, like you said, I'm I'm always on the go. So being forced to sit down somewhere, you know, and just not do anything was kind of unique in a sense. But as with anything in football, they call it sudden change. So as with anything, you just got to figure out how to do things. But it helped me just get more involved in film, get more involved in my creative process of what I want to do moving forward, not just this season, but, you know, three, four, five years down the line with football game plan. So it kind of just, you know, forced you to hit reset. But as far as the scouting part, I wasn't on campus like I was. Usually I'm on campus three times a week, a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm on a college campus doing mm-hmm. something, whether it's talking with a coach, broadcasting a game, or at a practice or two scouting talent um, to get ahead of the draft. So without that being the case, it's just it was just a lot of, you know, prep work. And, and fortunately for me, it was an opportunity to do more studio stuff. I was, you know, I'm with CBS Sports HQ, so I'm doing stuff there. And, you know, I'm watching these games as opposed to being there. And it, it was kind of shocking. Like, man, I, I, I miss being out, you know, smelling the grass, you know, grading press box food. You know, <laughs> I love to eat in some of these places you miss. Uh, but uh, it, it kind of forced me to take a, a step back and look at the game from a different perspective and just work on myself. It, but because the film is the film, um, it's a lot of the ancillary things that you miss about going to live games. But the film is a film. So I didn't lose any part of that uh, aspect of it. But I just miss being around people and being around the atmosphere. Yeah, no, I think I think we all kind of feel that way. And, you know, I think we're all hoping and looking forward to getting back to something normal again. Um, you know, I just look, I was watching a baseball game over the weekend and just watched, thought to myself, like, it would be nice to be sitting outside, you know, <laughs> having a hot dog and a beer or something like that. So hopefully we're getting closer to that. Um, with the guys, you talk about the film is the film and there was still film to watch. There were games that were played, even if the schedule uh, maybe started later in some places, was shortened in other places. Do you feel like that's going to have an impact on guys getting ready for this season, just knowing that, that you know last year was weird for everybody? You know, I think it's going to be unique for a lot of people, teams involved. If you go back to 2020, when everything first hit the ground as far as COVID is concerned, and then you look at this past season, if we're keeping it a buck, I think that all teams did a great job in the draft. And I truly believe that less is more. You know, back when we, let's say 2019, uh, when we were able to do everything, you know, you still, you had some head scratches in the draft, like, man, how could this guy drop? Or why would this guy go ahead of this guy? And that just doesn't seem like a good fit for player A to player B. But the last two drafts, because of COVID, I feel like everybody just kind of stayed true to what the tape told them and made selections based off that. So I think you're going to see, I think they kind of gave players uh, at the collegiate level, a little bit more of a sigh of relief. Like, all right, cool. If I just ball out on film, I'm just going to be good on film. Because we know a lot of guys that get out there uh, and they'll drop weight, they'll run a fast 40, they'll jump high, and they'll go higher when their tape is non-existent. And so if people just keep it true to the tape, a lot of these guys that are going to be paid to play the game of football 
are going to find themselves getting drafted. And I think that's something that both sides could take advantage of. The teams, which I think have done well, and the players to put more focus on getting better on the field as opposed to, okay, if I just if I'm average on the field, I know I could just kill my pro day and get drafted. <laughs> it's not going to work like that, I don't think, in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you always hear those stories about those guys who pretty much train for the combine, right, who, who worry about their 40 times and their agility drills and what have you, and they have that great, they have a great day in Indianapolis uh, and never quite live up to it. I mean, having said that, do you feel like this is going to change the scouting process? Are we going to have, uh, you know, less of the rigmarole like we used to, or is it, is it just going to go back to normal once we sort of open up? Yeah, that's a great question because I feel like you, you like to think that teams are creatures of habit. And, you know, so far, the habit has been indie pro days draft. <laughs> but now the habit has become film, virtual pro days, workouts and draft. And I think, you know, we're going to see a change to the process. We're going to see more teams um get back to more of film watching and trusting that as opposed to these workouts. I think we've gotten a little bit too enamored with the workouts and it kind of strayed away from the actual game of football and people thinking that you can just create football players. Um, And that's not the case because if you go back, let's look at last season, how competitive last season was. There were truly no terrible teams outside of even Jacksonville. They, I know they finished one in 15, but they were competitive in all those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and the record may not have indicated, but I, I don't recall last year being like, oh, my God, this team, I can't even watch this team play. It's so <laughs> terrible, right? You know, you didn't say that about anybody. So I think that teams, because of the talent they were able to infuse into their rosters or to their organizations, got better. And I think we'll see a fundamental change. I say that now, but watch next year when everything <laughs> opens back up. It's going to be back to the combine, back to the pro days, and we're going to be back on, on, on track for chaos. I mean, look, I, I would love to see this thing change. I feel like the, the draft process and draft season just gets – we get to the silly season at some point, right? When you get, you, know, you get anonymous scouts making hot takes on guys that just don't seem to make sense. Um, so I would hope that maybe there's going to be a change and maybe we see things – uh, done differently, but you know, at the same time, Emory, you know, folks just want you know they want that shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when, when they they gotta they gotta hang with me, man. I show you some better food spots in it. I'm a foodie, <laughs> like I'm all over. I'm all on the restaurant train. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time I get to if if I'm at the combine again, I'm a, I'm gonna look you up and we can uh, we can go figure out somewhere to eat. Um, one thing that surprised me, and and you know, not that this has anything to do with fantasy specifically, but. Uh, we didn't see any players drafted from HBCUs this year. And I know it was a thing that, that Deion Sanders spoke about on Twitter uh, not long after the draft, now that he's coaching at an HBCU. Did that surprise you at all? Not, it, it's Not really. Uh, mm. It sort of surprised me because I thought the trend from the draft perspective was that, man, if you participate in the Senior Bowl, you're getting drafted. And so there were a couple of guys that were HBCU players that were in the Senior Bowl um, David Moore from Grambling they, uh, and Brian Mills from North Carolina Central. I was like, all right, they'll get drafted. They played in the Senior Bowl. Seems like that has that was the trend of the draft from these scouts. It, they got a chance to see these guys live, and that's worth more than you know the tape right now in some cases. But I was shocked to see those guys not go. I was even shocked to see Mac McCain not get drafted because the last time we saw him was in the 2019 Celebration Bowl, and he had a field day making plays on the ball, turning the ball over, and he matches up athletically. 
But I can understand why they didn't get drafted. You probably had injury concerns about Mac McCain, who spent some time getting injured, so they probably want a clean bill of health because it's a lot of unknown. David Moore, he showed up at the uh, Senior Bowl at 350. Then at his pro day, I think he was like 330. Mm. So it was like, okay, so what's his true weight? <laughs> right. You know, like, if you th- are you 350 or are you 330? And if that's going to be a problem. So that kind of crossed him off. Uh, and, and Mills ran a 4-6. Even though you watched him match up and play the ball in coverage, okay, if he runs a 4-6, it's a way for us to, you know, not draft him. But quickly after the draft, all three got signed. So they knew they were good players. I just think that this was such a unique year. In the last two years, we saw this. Teams just went with known commodities. You know, guys they've seen a lot of, guys that had very minimal uh, red flags or uh, red marks on, on their uh, profile, and they just drafted those guys. So I don't think it's anything uh, sliding HBCUs. I just think it's, a, you know, this particular draft, and last year was basically what are the known options? I mean, we were, what, two years removed from an HBCU player going to the first round? Yeah. And Titus Howard. So, it's, you know, so I think if guys, if last year was normal, we would have seen, you know, a couple of HBCU players get drafted. I think in 2023, we'll see a bunch more because I, I also believe next year, 2022, because there's so many players that are going to be in a draft uh, pot, some guys will get pushed down. And that's not just HBCU. That's going to be a lot of small college guys, too, because of the, the pool from FBS is going to be bigger. And by nature, you know, they're going to try to skim off the top first unless you have just such a standout player. You're going to have a standout player to get drafted. But I think in 2023, because of what I've seen coming down the pipeline at the HBCU level from the high school level, they got some legit dudes that's going to be uh, studs coming up from the HBCU ranks. We'll probably see a record number get drafted in 2023. Wow! All right, that's something to look forward to then. And uh, you know, like I said, I know Dion. Dion made a big point of and it. And they played. Uh, they played in the spring. Of course, nobody was going to get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other part of it. That's you know, I guess I didn't even think about that too, right? Because we had seasons actually shifted. So uh, yeah, I'm sure that that probably did did play into it a little bit. I, I didn't even take that into account. That's a good point. Um, all right, so I want to get to to you about some players that were drafted second, third day. That I know at least across the process, you kind of. You liked, or at least you, you pointed out and talked about it a little bit. The, the first one, Ramondre Stevenson, who ends up going to the Patriots. Uh, everything I, I've read about him since he got drafted keeps the name LeGarrette Blunt keeps keeps showing up there. I even saw somebody that, that did some clips side by side of, of Stevenson runs that looked like Blunt runs when he was with the Patriots. Is that is that a bridge too far, or, or is there some truth to that that comparison? As with anything, the truth lies somewhere in between, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit LeGarrette Blunt. And he's also a little bit of Deonta Foreman. Uh, people forget how fast Blunt was coming out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Blunt ran kicks back. You know, right. you don't, you're not going <laughs> to see Ramadri Stevenson return kicks. Um, so Blunt had legit sprinter speed. Uh, but both were these big bruising backs with quick feet. And uh, for Foreman, Foreman had like straight line speed, you know, where he could burst through the line and, and, and pick up yards in chunks coming out of Texas. But... I think both. I think the footwork side, he's Legarrette Blunt. Speed side is probably more Deontay Foreman. So I think you combine the two, and you get Ramadre Stevenson. I do think he's. They envision him being their four-minute offense guy, their short yardage goal line guy. So they're looking for him to close out games and score touchdowns. So I think that's going to be his role with New England. I was gonna say. I mean, I feel like there's there is definitely a role for him there, right? Because you know, Sony Michelle has just. 
you know, the I don't know if it's the injury that just kind of sapped him of everything. He's not the same guy that he was coming out of college. Damian Harris, I think, is a nice player. Uh, but I feel like neither of those guys has really put a lock on that job. And, and I do feel like Stevenson uh, could kind of fight his way in there, especially, you know, if there's no Rex Burkhead. I think there's there's an opportunity for Stevenson to to kind of be a playmaker there. Um, in Cincinnati, we know Joe Mixon is going to be that guy, but Gio Bernard's not there anymore. They went out and they got Chris Evans. They got Puka Williams, who I know you, you really liked, especially at the start of the process. You liked Puka Williams. I know he had, you know, some arrest issues that, that might have worked against him in the draft. But when you look at Evans and Williams, either of those guys, are they poised to maybe make an impact in Cincinnati in the near future? I think Puka Williams, by sheer explosiveness, you mm. know. Uh, and one thing I love about his game is that he's so elusive. So he's making you miss. He knows how to run behind his pad, so you're not going to get a clean shot on him. So those that may be worried about his weight, don't worry about that because it doesn't matter. You can't hit what you can't catch, you can't hurt what you can't touch. <laughs> and good luck with that with Puka Williams, right? And um, the fact that he can help you in a multitude of ways, he doesn't need volume. He can return kicks. He can return punts. He can catch the ball out of the backfield and not just your standard swing screens, flares, and flats type back. I'm talking about downfield threat in the passing game. So it sounds like a lot like Gio Bernard, doesn't it? <laughs> I think that's him. Chris Evans, I, I like Chris Evans uh, for a nostalgic reason. For me, he's like Amp Lee. You know, he's a wow, okay. <laughs> he, he has no speed, but is super elusive. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, he could make you miss, and you're like, man, this dude doesn't – he's not fast, but – He's he's constantly making yards and, and doing and doing good things with his footwork. So I think he he's probably more along the lines of someone that can uh you know, he could make a team. But if you're talking about a one to one with Gio Bernard, it's probably Puka Williams. And when you watch Puka Williams play and watch him do amazing things, and I say this all the time, what makes him even more special is that when you watch him do all those things and you realize he doesn't have toes on one foot, it just makes everything he does ridiculous. <laughs> Because um, of a childhood accident, I think Lawnmower cut off like hmm. the five toes on one foot, and the coach saw him stuffing socks into one of his cleats and asked him what was going on, and that's how he found out. But when you watch all, hmm. so now take that information and go watch Puka Williams highlights again and watch his tape again. <laughs> it's like, man, how does this dude is doing this? It's ridiculous. Wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know that part of the story. That's amazing. Now I am going to watch it again, kind of with a, <laughs> with a different mindset. Which, by the, also, by the way, I hadn't heard the name Amp Lee in at least ten years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you for that one. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, so I, I here I am. I'm talking to one of the the finest raging Cajuns. Uh, that there is out there, but I want to ask you about another one, Eli Mitchell, who went to the 49ers. Um, what should we know about, about Eli Mitchell? He's explosive and has dynamic speed. If it wasn't for Eli Mitchell, the Cajuns don't beat Georgia State. They don't come back and beat Georgia State. Uh, he took that game over and had numerous chunk play runs. And when you envision him with his speed and his vision and his ability to plant and accelerate in Kyle Shanahan's running scheme, He's going to do outstanding. I mean, the, the fact that they were able to get him a Trey Sermon, both guys are, are you know, tremendous in that aspect in, in terms of vision, getting downhill, accelerating. Now, Mitchell just does it 40 times faster than Trey Sermon. So I think he's going to be a sleeper, one of these guys that we're going to see in week four. And you look up, he got 
nine carries for 130 yards. You're like, well, how the hell that happened? Well, that that's <laughs> because he's explosive. And again, he's another one of these guys that that you know you see this more so nowadays. Um, guys don't need volume. Uh, you know, back in I hate to say it, but back in my day, if you're like, coach, <laughs> if you just give me 30 carries, and now that you think back, like, yeah, why the hell you need 30 carries to be like? <laughs> well, now these dudes just need three, and they're good to go uh, because they're used to working in a tandem. I think that you itself, these guys being, uh, you know, ready to go from day one in the NFL. So you're getting a guy that's explosive. You're getting a guy that's dynamic. You're getting a player that can beat one-on-one coverage in the passing game going downfield. So you get someone that can help keep your offense on pace. If he's your starter or if he's your RB2, he's someone that could step in and the offense doesn't miss a beat. So I like the fit in San Francisco, and uh, and I love the player, obviously, because he's dynamic. Uh, He can be a, a, a special teams ace right away but also can be a guy that's, that's going to see considerable action in a backfield. Why is it do you think that guys don't necessarily need 30 touches now at running back to be productive? I mean, I know that's the game's not played that way. Is it is it run schemes? I mean, what what is it now that's changed with running backs where they, they can be more productive with fewer opportunities? Marcus, that is a fantastic question, and I'm <laughs> glad you asked that because I have a tremendous answer for you. Can't wait. <laughs> it's the scheme. Think about it. Back in the day, I remember back when I played, it was eye formation. Um, you know, the plays were simple. It was like, okay, 34 dive, you know, 29 wheel, 38 <laughs> toss, right? So it's like three back, two back, eight hole, four hole, six hole, right? But now everything is zone. So it requires you to to read and understand uh, the blocking, read and understand defense, you know, from a front perspective. And everybody's doing it from little league, to middle school, to high school, to college. So this is their eye formation, right? This is what they know. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, uh, this is so funny. I remember uh, one of my homeboys shot me a text. He was like, hey, check out this this running back. Because he does, he handles our high school scouting stuff. He's like, check out this running back and hit me back and let me know what you think. Because I want to tell you what I think, but I want you to, you know. So I watched it. And then I came, I texted him back. I was like, man, this dude is running through gaping holes he's like i know right he's like they said he's the best running back to come out of texas i was like man he's like now watch this guy hit me back so i watched this other guy i was like you know i kind of like him he kind of got you know got a good feel to it got a good feel for the run game and he was running more out of a traditional what i consider traditional like i formation downhill Mm -hmm. offense the two backs we were watching high school kids was jonathan gray and malcolm brown (laughs) <laughs> so and so we both were on the same side of it. It's like, you know, Malcolm Brown going to be better, man, because mm-hmm. even though Gray had ridiculous high school production, but he wasn't getting touched until he was like eight yards down the field. Okay. And he was running outside zone through gaping holes. So if that's what you see and that's how you brought up and that's what you're playing with, and for the most part, that's what you're going to see at the collegiate level. At the time, Texas wasn't running what they're running now. Uh, they were running more this, you know, of a scheme that was catering toward Malcolm Brown. Um, that's why Gray didn't have the success outside of the injuries, but Gray just wasn't having the, the success you expect the number one recruit in the nation to have. And so I think when you look at these running backs now, everything is outside zone. Everything is inside zone. You know, so they've, the, the amount of reps, mental, physical, uh, visual reps that they have in, in running this offense and the way the schemes are, 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 are set up to where the defense just doesn't have a chance to really stop these guys. I mean, it's that's why you see players come in and not really need the volume to be successful. The ones that do, 
tend to go high in the first round. Your Saquon Barkley, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your Adrian Petersons, you know, your Reggie Bushes, all of those type guys, those game breakers are special. And the special players can do special things in given the, the, the system. But um, I think that's that's partly why you see this ridiculous talk of running backs don't matter. <laughs> right. I think people are looking at that from a from a global sense. It's like, well, you know, you kind of get guys that don't need volume. That's true. But it's a difference when you have, you know, insert running back A running it versus Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley gets you touchdowns while person B gets you yards. Um, so I can understand the the sentiment, but I think they're looking at it the wrong way. But that's why I believe uh, we see these backs that are able to come in and do successful things without volume, which leads to people to believe that anybody could play the position. You know, I, and I'm glad you said that too, because I, I I fall sort of where you do about that that whole argument. I've stopped I've stopped wading into that argument on Twitter because it's just you know at this point yeah. everybody, everybody's sort of dug in now, right? You, you you've already staked the side and nobody's really changing their mind, so I've kind of stopped arguing it. But I I really do believe that there are those guys that are special. Uh, you mentioned Saquon being one. I think we saw it last year in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey not being being healthy. I mean, Mike Davis played well, but, you know, he wasn't giving you Christian McCaffrey-type production over the course of the season. I, I think that, you know, on some level, it still does matter who's back there. Case, um, Casey, but the, yeah. not to cut you off, but think but about no. in, in the Brown situation. Mm -hmm. Quietly, Kareem Hunt doesn't need volume. Right. But... Quietly, Nick Chubb does. Mm -hmm. However, if you gave Kareem Hunt volume, he'd be, you know, equally as successful as Nick Chubb. We saw that already as a rookie. Mm -hmm. But if you go, if you watch him thrive uh, with Nick Chubb, that's the reason why it's you know Chubb first and Hunt second. Hunt is capable of playing both. I don't think Chubb is capable of playing both. Um, and I think Chubb is more of the the old school back. And Hunt is more of the new age back that because he has the vision, footwork, and understanding of blocking scheme, he doesn't need volume to be successful. It takes someone like Chubb or someone you know of that caliber a little bit longer to try to feel out the defense. That's where the volume comes in. But someone like uh, that, if you have the vision and elusiveness like a Hunt or a Puka Williams or uh, Tariq Cohen, it doesn't matter if you're coming in cold off the bench. You you trust your eyes and your footwork to make things happen. That's another reason why. I think it's also tied into whatever the traits you have as a player. Um, just real quick, do you, do you think that could end up being the thing with James Robinson and Travis Etienne down there in Jacksonville? I think so. I think um, Etienne doesn't need volume, um, but Robinson is someone that can kind of get it rolling. It could look a lot like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Both are, are very good backs in, in and of itself when you think about what they, they're asking them to do. It's just that Etienne's speed is just, that's the thing you take in the first round, you know, the level right. of speed and explosiveness. <laughs> um, so if you imagine these 20-yard runs that Robinson gets with Etienne running them, those are now 70-yard touchdowns, <laughs> you know. So, and you pair those guys both, you're going to average a healthy 140 yards on the ground a game. Mm. Uh, so I think that's why they want to go with the dual back especially when you think about Trevor Lawrence's component to it. Yeah, he may be tall. He may have long hair. But <laughs> Trevor Lawrence can pick him up and put him down. So that's the third element to the run game. If you if that backside defensive end decides to be over-aggressive, guess who's out the gate and down the sideline for a chunk plate? Trevor Lawrence. So right. I think they're going to be a run-based 
a pro spread offense, run based offense with that's going to be a, an explosive pass game. So to use a fantasy term, I'm getting better with this, by the way. To use a <laughs> fantasy term. The wide receivers for Jacksonville probably would be great in a best ball situation. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I can buy that. I can totally buy that. And I mean, I, I mean, I just asked that because so many people like, love James Robinson, and to see Etienne go there was like, oh no, what's going to happen now? But um, now you can I, love them both. They're gonna, they're both going to have their success again. Think in terms of uh, uh, four minute offense, mm-hmm. James Robinson, but in the middle part of the game. Etienne is going to be the one that's going to wear you out because of his speed. And then Robinson is going to bludgeon you to that and get you to submit. Oh, there it is. All right. So, so both everybody can be happy. Everybody can prosper. That's, that's what we want. That's all we want. Uh, so I got a handful of receivers I kind of wanted to ask you about, too. I know you, you were saying Anthony Schwartz, he's drafted to the Browns. Uh, and I know you tweeted that you think he's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. He comes to a wide receiver room that's kind of crowded. What does he have to do, you think, to get on the field regularly in Cleveland? Uh, if I was Anthony Schwartz, you know, I'd probably sit in that wide receiver room and raise my hand like, hey, raise your hand if you run a 4-2. And, <laughs> oh, it's just me? Oh, so that automatically gets him on the field. Because um, when you think about Cleveland's offense, Odell Beckham is a game breaker mm-hmm. because he's the fastest. But now you add someone faster than him, and you add a better quarterback situation with Baker Mayfield over Bo Nix. I mean, it's just it just makes so much sense. So I think he's going to be their guy. That he's their version of Miko Hardman. He's their mm-hmm. version of Tyreek Hill. He's their version of insert whatever dynamic special player that you want. That's going to be Schwartz. Uh, plus one, he he's going to start instantly as a returner and uh, you know specialist. And that's going to get him on the field. It's going to get him into the groove of a game. And then they're going to work him into the offense. So I see him being a significant player, not only you know in the passing game, because he can quietly run routes better than people expect him to. If you just watch him on an individual basis within that offense, just run routes, get out of his breaks, transition out of uh, cuts, he does a good job there. So you can trust him running routes. But if you watch him in a wide receiver run game, it adds more to the hunt, the chub, dynamic we talked about when he goes in that jet sweep motion or that orbit motion you got to worry about him now you just created a a gap for chubb or hunt to to sprint through so i i see him being a big part of the offense both um as a ball carrier as a receiver but also as someone as as a decoy on these motions i've noticed that's become so much more of a trend now too you talk about the jet sweeps the orbit motion stuff that is becoming so much a part of so many different offenses um, I think especially for those guys with speed, it is just such a game changer. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see if, if he's going to be able to work in there. Because I do think it's, a, it's an interesting pick in just a crowded wide receiver group. And so I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, not so crowded in Washington. I mean, you know, they got Terry McLaurin there. Uh, I think they're still looking for help. They draft De'Ami Brown. How do you think he fits in in that offense? I think he fits in like a glove. He's going to be their deep threat. Uh, I think people kind of, and, and not using this term in a bad way, people sort of overrated Terry McLaurin uh, because he was the best of the bunch, you know? But McLaurin is best served with a co-pilot. And I think when you have someone like Diami Brown, who's a deep threat, legitimate deep threat, that's going to open things up for McLaurin to really thrive. And I think Diami Brown is going to step in right away and be great. People focus on the drops, but if you watch him uh, catching the football, and this is something that requires a little bit of nuance, a lot of his drops are on curls, 
comebacks, you know, slants, mm-hmm. and those require you to have fast hands. It's not like uh, or fast eyes too. So, for for instance, if you're seeing someone dropping those type of pl- passes, you're seeing him catch the middle or the back part of the football, which means he's seeing it late, so he's getting his hands mm-hmm. up late. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing that and getting hit at the same time, that's going to be a drop. But you never see him drop a ball going over his head. Why? Because he has time to get his hands underneath. He gets time. He gets time to get his body underneath it. He's seeing it longer, so he's able to make those catches. So he's probably a hundred percent on those deep ball uh, receptions as opposed to those shorter, quick in breaking routes. Some guys do a better job of you know seeing it faster, getting it, getting their hands up, as opposed to others that are that are struggle catching a deep ball. Um, so being a deep ball threat doesn't mean you have great speed. It means that you're nine times out of ten going to catch a ball that's going deep down the field. And, and so for him, when you combine his speed and his ability to, to really stack and track, um, you know, going downfield, it makes him the ideal deep threat. So I'm not worried about his hands or the drops that he had. It's not like he has bad hands. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between having bad hands and, and seeing it late. So for him, I'm guessing he's probably going to have to live in front of the jugs machine at a, clo- <laughs> at a close range. Because uh, you see some people, um, and normally you're standing like about a, a good 10 yards back. So for him, maybe it's, you know, standing five yards in front of the machine and, and training himself to get his hands up faster and, and find that point faster to get his hands up in the right proper place to catch the front part of the ball mm-hmm. as opposed to the middle of the back. So I think it's a great fit because now him and McLaurin gives them dynamic play at the receiver position. The only, they're just a quarterback away from being successful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the next piece. Hey, look, I was like, I mean, for fantasy, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. He's just going to throw it downfield. But I think in terms of building the franchise, you're 100 percent correct. He's he's not the long term answer there. Um, last player for you, Tutu Atwell, which I think you know a lot of people were sort of surprised that the Rams drafted him. Um, I mean, look, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is there, but we know he is certainly, I think, at the tail end of his career. Uh, the offense, at least the wide receivers, pretty much run through Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But we have faith in Sean McVay that he can find ways to use pieces. Uh, or do you believe he can find a way to use Atwell in this offense? Well, he better. He drafted him, right? And um, <laughs> I, I think so, man. Listen, I know people are hung up on his 149, but I don't care if he's built like a sour punch straw. Like, the dude <laughs> has speed, right? And the thing about him is that you watch him just pull away from coverage. Somebody, I love when people on Twitter or people in comment sections or, or even interviews ask you like, well, can he withstand the pounding? What if he's going across the middle and this, you know, 6'9", 380-pound <laughs> weak side linebacker just blows him up? I'm like, well, you know, he'll just get back up and get back in the huddle like he did every play <laughs> at Louisville. This, I don't think, here's what people need to understand. The hits that you see that, go, that make you go, ooh, those never hurt. Mm-hmm. It's those little annoying suckers that you don't see. That you you go back like, man, that really my hip hurts. <laughs> like that is something ridiculous. So I'm not worried about him at that weight. And we've seen Sean McVay try to incorporate, you know, some smallish receivers in that offense recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid from Eastern Washington, that's the returner uh, that that was there. Uh, I forget oh. his name. But he's, but he's someone that they try to work into the offense. We've seen J.J. Nelson have success. I'm always going to believe in Tavon Austin. I don't care what the numbers <laughs> of production says because of the speed. And I think, you know, Tutu Atwell was, uh, I think, online. People got tired of talking about him. But mm-hmm. if you go back to, like, the spring 
or summer of 2020, like right after the draft, all people talked about was Tutu Atwell. And again, if you're doing it in the ACC against people that you're going to be playing against in the pros, I think you're going to be doing it in the pros. I'll be interested to see where those opportunities come. Is he going to be more in the wide receiver run game? Is he going to be more in uh, as a deep threat on these deep over routes? Seemed like he would have been better suited to play in Seattle with how they use these sh- shorter, smaller receivers, but they got one in, in Dwayne Eskridge to go along with Tyler Lockett. So I do think uh, you know they'll find a way to get Atwell more involved in the offense this year. Yeah, I'm like I said, I I, I believe that he'll figure out a way to use him. Um, you know, he's made. I, I kept hearing the Deshaun Jackson comparisons, and I'm like, well, he, he gets to learn alongside Deshaun then for uh, you know a year or two. So that that's gonna be cool. And he'll um, gain weight, man. He's I yeah. think he's recently posted. He's like 166. Yeah, you still small, but yeah, you you still you getting there. You're working in the right direction. Uh, not to mention that, look, man, I don't care who you are. If you get hit by a dude who's six eight and three. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt at it's least a hurt. little bit. <laughs> you know? It's going to make some noise. It's going it's to go, go, ooh. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's just facts. <laughs> it just doesn't really matter. Um, so, obviously, you know, we've already seen the look ahead to the 2022 draft. People are already putting out their projections. Uh, for you, have you started your scouting? Are you starting to look ahead to next year's draft? Here's what's fascinating and interesting, and it kind of ties into your initial question about um, – how has the scouting process changed? Mm-hmm. You know, back in March 2020, April, I didn't think we were going to have a college football season. It seemed like there was no way, you know, on LeBron James and that we we're going to have a college football season, right? So I'm, I'm look. So I, I started my grading process early, and as the season started to happen, I had to move. I had at the time I had like 80 quarterbacks graded, so I had mm-hmm. to move like 50 quarterbacks into 2022. So that process has already started uh, for quarterbacks and running backs. The amount of running backs I had to take out of my 2021 class and move to 2022, you know, was because I was watching the film was already has already done. Uh, and so I'm excited because I now have a jump start on 2022. <laughs> I don't start my process usually until January. Once I start mm-hmm. traveling to all these all-star games and then when I come back, um, I, I, I take two weeks of just watching film and grading. So all my grades are done before the combine and have done in final. So that's when everything gets out. Uh, so now with that, with half that, pro- not half, but a good part of that process started already, um, it, it's going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm just now excited that I can now include the FCS and D2 prospects hmm. into the mix because they didn't play last year and so or last you know fall. So now you have to go and, and really dive into those prospects. So I, I'm excited about it. So, yes, it has started. Um, more of an outline in terms of, okay, let me get a, a list together and start trying to chop these guys down. So I guess that's that part I have learned to try to work that work smarter. Because um, I was waiting till you know those two weeks in February to really break down all thousand prospects or whatever. <laughs> but if I could get started a little earlier, kind of chip away, chip away, chip away, I can get a draft guide out earlier. I can get my grades done earlier they still will be done before the combine mm-hmm. and that's my main goal does that mean you can give yourself like a week or two to just relax absolutely not yeah this because <laughs> when you because now you got to defend everything that you you just put out you know so like let's say in 2018 you know i was i did the, the whole gamut why you have lamar jackson number one and and why you have him such a higher grade than everybody else so now you got to go on the, you got to go on a radio circuit and defend your tapes <laughs> that's the fun part you know you get to competitively argue with everybody, 
uh, once those grades are done. All right. Well, look forward to it. Dude, I appreciate you coming back on. Like I said, it, it had been too long. Uh, I enjoy just kind of following along with your stuff and watching your videos and all that kind of thing. Uh, for folks who don't know, where can they find what you're doing? They could follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, they can subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network located at youtube.com slash football game plan. And they can still pick up a copy of our 2021 NFL Draft Guide, uh, which has over 580 prospects, individual scouting reports, um, graded. So therefore, you know, uh, draft is over, but rosters are still transient. You're going to see people get signed and, and cut and signed on a practice ride training camp. And you can get that at footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Cool. Absolutely. Check that out if you haven't already and follow this man on Twitter if you don't already. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if heat rises, shouldn't hell have already frozen over? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug All needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.
You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.